Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm your host, Dr. Pat Basile. If you want to find out more about us, check us out on our website. Thousands of, uh, of archives for you to listen to, uh, www.drdrpatshow.com. That's drpatshow.com. And you'll find out a lot of information about our guests, about the topics we're talking about today and beyond. I want to welcome my guest to the show today. Now, here's the deal. We, each and every one of us, are reading the headlines all over the place on how family dogs, they save children from burning homes, they save people from drowning, they save, you know, hikers in the wilderness. And so the question is, how do these incredible animal friends, how do we come to connect with them? Some people think it's karmic, some people think it's past life, and some people just don't know. But today, we're going to be speaking with an individual that's going to share an incredible story with us, a story that he's written about in Merle's Door, and that is Ted Tarasotti. He's joining us here today, and his writings have appeared in more than 50 periodicals, including Audubon, National Geographic, Graphic, Traveler, Outside, uh, Salon, and the New York Times. And this, uh, in, in this conversation, we're looking at how we connect with people, and more importantly, you will be blown away by his story. So, Ted, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you very much for having me on your show, Pat. I think we should start right out of the gate by talking about the book from the perspective of your journey with Merle. Merle was a half-wild pup, 10 months old, when he and I met on the San Juan River in southern Utah. He simply appeared in my headlights coming out of the darkness of the river. We opened the doors to our two vehicles. He scanned the air with that sniffing radar-like nose that dogs have, and he walked right up to my door, gave my thigh a sniff, and looked up into my eyes with a kind of luminous appreciation, and his eyes said, you need a dog, and I'm it. And why he chose me, I guess I just smelled right, had the right karmic energy. But in any case, uh, he and I became fast friends. Uh, I took him down the river with us uh, for a week and brought him back to Wyoming. And he taught me an enormous, about, enormous amount about the dog-human relationship, particularly how our dogs can thrive if we loosen their leashes and allow them to make some of their own decisions more of the time. I mean, this has been, uh, you, you know, some folks actually, Ted, you know, are looking at you as, as Merle's translator, so to speak. And in order for us to understand, uh, you know, the issues that we, we face in developing relationships with dogs and who we are, I know... A lot of folks that are listening to the show today, many of them, you know, have dogs of their own that uh, are part of their families. And, you know, recently we've had a lot of information in the media, a lot of stories in the media about dogs. Of course, everybody understands the whole Ellen DeGeneres thing, or maybe we don't understand it. But, it, you know, we've gotten in touch with the dog's journey, so to speak, in essence. When you decided to write this book, 
was it to demonstrate to us that there is both an intuitive and spiritual relationship that happens with dogs as well as the day-to-day physical, this is what we're going to do together. Absolutely. There, there were several motivations behind writing Merle's Dork, the subtitle of which is Lessons from a Free-Thinking Dog. And the door refers to the physical door that I gave Merle when we came back to Wyoming so he could come and go as he wished and continue to lead the life he loved so much in the outdoors. We live in a very rural place here in Jackson Hole. But it's also the door that you speak about, the metaphorical one, into that intuitive side of dogs' personalities that allow them to be such good teachers uh, to human beings since they're directly in touch with their emotions. They hardly ever lie. They don't dissimulate. What you get from a dog is, is what you see. And my belief is that dogs are beings from another culture, and if we pay attention to their tail flagging, their body posture, their vocalizations, especially the expressions in their eyes and on their faces, we can translate from doggish, if you will, into English or any other human language. And I'm sure there are countless dog owners who are listening to our conversation right now who are nodding their heads and say, saying, yes, I do that all the time with my dog. I hold conversations with my dog. And I simply use what we all know, or many of us know, in Merle's door and acted as his translator in the book, put English words to his doggish words, if you will, uh, and made him the central character of the story, uh, which is not often done in the dog literature. No, it's not often done. I mean, you know, there usually it's about the human being out on the journey with the dog, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But you decided to feature Merle. I did decide to feature Merle since Merle had such a huge personality. When I met him, he was already a competent and collected being. He wasn't a so much a domestic dog, but a half-wild dog. He could hunt his own food. He had been surviving out there on his own. And we, when we came back to Wyoming, he and he made his three circumambulations of the village each day, met other humans and dogs on his own. He became a, a fully furred out, if you will, individual with a large personality. And by allowing him to lead me many times in the backcountry, I learned things that I would never have seen. He would show me how a wolf walked right in the tracks of an elk, saving energy. He pointed out grizzly bears. He pointed out black bears. Um, by paying attention to what his ears and nose were telling him, and then he was saying, hey, my friend, come over here and look at this, I learned an enormous uh, in, um, an enormous uh, educational experience about the outdoors that I wouldn't have got otherwise since my eyes and ears and nose aren't as good in certain respects as a dog. I also learned that dogs become good problem solvers just the way young children do if they're allowed to learn and explore on their own. So many of us take such a parental role in vis-a-vis -vis our dogs, 
because we've been taught this by dog trainers. You should be a strong alpha to your dog. You should rule the, the pack. And we have gotten this mantra because that's the way captive wolves act in zoos. An alpha male r- runs the show. However, when we've watched wild wolves, especially in Yellowstone National Park in the last decade since they were introduced, we see a totally different aspect of wolf society. We see an alpha male and female of the pack sharing leadership, uh, sharing decision-making, and then when their pups become about a year old, in other words, teenage wolves, they begin to delegate responsibility for running the pack to these maturing wolves, allowing them to choose whom to hunt, where to hunt, when to move the pack. They allow them to go off on their own. Those wolves explore, come back with information about where there are prey animals. And living here in Yellowstone, uh, I saw this with wolves and thought, you know, Merle, by all indications, knows what he's doing out there. And if I give him a little bit more freedom the way wolf parents give their own pups freedom, maybe he will fully develop into a different kind of domestic dog, and indeed he did. He had a kind of steadiness and maturity, um, the ability to know what cars were all about and avoid them, avoid dangerous wildlife, and it proved to me that dogs need that kind of experience on their own at times to fully mature and not stay perpetual puppies. The question is, how do you do this in an urban setting rather than a really rural one where there's tons of cars and lots of dangers that a dog would face? And this question is often asked me when I'm on the book tour, and I can only say that in every urban center, uh, even giant ones like New York City, there are many parks that have off-leash hours in which dogs can run on their own, meet dogs on their own terms, and not be walked in that narrow corridor when they're on leash. And those are the times, and literally we should do that every day for our dogs, allow them to get out and play with other dogs, run at dog speed instead of human speed, and start to learn about the world and read what I call the books of their world through their noses. Well, Ted, you know, I have to tell you, this is an incredible book that you have written that to help us really understand the journey, not only of, of Merle, but also of your personal growth and what you've learned along the way. This is a very different look, you know, which actually goes against the grain of humans being authorities, the dominating factor. And we're going to talk more about that when we come back from break. Ted's going to be joining us. We're going to be talking about Merle. We're going to be talking about the journey that Ted has accompanied Merle on uh, through the ages and through the healing and the ailments and the relationship that happens when one or both, you know, age in the process. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show and my guest today, Ted Sarasoti, as well as Merle in spirit. We'll be right back. What's ahead for you or your business in 2008? Get your custom roadmap for next year from internationally known astrologer Madeline Gerwig. 
find out how to best focus your time and energy for the challenges and opportunities ahead. Call Madeline Gerwick at Polaris Business Guides for a personal or business consultation. Also ask about good timing for important events. Call toll-free 877-524-8300. That's 877-524-8300. I'm Dr. Pat Basile, the host of The Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Let me help you take your empowering message to a community of people looking for products and services that value all life on earth and tap into the one true freedom we have, the freedom to choose. Let our listeners choose you. Join the buzz and be the buzz. Sponsor the Dr. Pat Show. Call me at 206-523-5522. That's 206-523-5522. Are you carrying around unwanted emotional baggage that is keeping you from living the life your heart desires? Kathy Brody can help you lose that baggage without even going to the airport. You don't have to spend a year in therapy to get rid of bad habits and ideas that don't serve you. Access your own wisdom with hypnosis, regression techniques, reconnective healing, guided imagery, and inverse wave therapy. Stop smoking, manage stress, and handle transition. Call today for your appointment, 206-546-8266. Kathy Brody at Harvest of the Heart can help you start your new life today. Harvestoftheheart.com. Kate's Caring Gifts is proud to support Dr. Pat's Green Christmas Challenge with earth-friendly alternatives. Visit them at katescaringgifts.com to see their complete selection of natural body care, kid-powered toys, eco-friendly home decor, and organic gourmet indulgence, including the world's best organic chocolate. Find people and earth-friendly gifts at katescaringgifts.com. That's katescaringgifts.com. The Empowerment Partnership, empowering the lives of thousands of people around the world just like you. Their mission is to empower you with an understanding of what makes you and others tick and to teach you the tools and techniques that will unlock your hidden gifts. The Empowerment Partnership, whatever you think you are, you're more than that. To learn more, call 1-800-800-MIND or go to NLP.com. Mention the Dr. Pat Show to receive a special discount. Check this out. Did you know that spending just 30 minutes a day in a portable sauna that uses far-infrared technology can burn hundreds of calories, rid your body of toxins, and reduce pain? Listeners of The Dr. Pat Show can enter to win a portable infrared sauna from Detox America. Enter by December 31st by calling 888-338-6987 or send a message with your contact information to info at detoxamerica.com and in the subject line, put The Dr. Pat Show Sauna Giveaway. Listen live at 1150kknw.com. Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. Um, I, I want to uh, mention the book again. It's called Merle's Door, Lessons from a Free-Thinking Dog. Uh, I am here with the author, Ted Carasotti. He's joining me here today. This is the New York Times and national bestseller. It is an incredible book, uh, lots of great information, but more importantly, if you go to Ted's website, you will be able to see some incredible photographs of Merle and Ted and their journey together. 
Uh, the website is www.carasodi.com, and I'm going to spell that for you, K-E-R-A-S, as in Sam, O-T-E.com. Check it out, and also you can go to the drpatcho.com uh, website, and there is a link and lots of information there. You know, Ted, I, I, there are many, many things we could, we could talk about, uh, and one of the things that I, that I wanted to address was, uh, you know, the, the, the numerous adventures that you had around the globe mm-hmm. uh, because so much of, of the conversation is in your experience with Merle mm-hmm. and your writing. And, you know, there is uh, the wilderness, and then there are those of us that are New York natives and, and grow up in the city. There is a difference of living in both the city with a dog and then, in the outdoors with a dog. I mean, isn't this, a, you know, a curious conversation to have? And yet, dogs can survive in just about any environment. Dogs are just like us, a point I make repeatedly in the book. They're very adaptable creatures, just as human beings are adaptable creatures. And some of us can do just fine in rural places. Others of us can do just fine in urban places. I think there are some basics, though, that make all of us, whether we're dogs or humans, healthier, and that is frequent exercise. Uh, You know, we're beings that evolved with processing oxygen, aerobic beings, and uh, we evolved walking, and that's still part of our genetic makeup, whether we're a dog or a human. We need a certain amount of exercise to be healthy, and we can get that in a rural place or an urban place. I think we need, all of us, some uh, solitude and peace of mind away from traffic, some safety, and we can get that in rural places or in cities, uh, in parks. And dogs really thrive when they're when they have the opportunity to be off-leash, as I said before, running with their own kind and running at warp dog speed instead of human speed. Uh, Merle, though, had the enormous good fortune as a dog to run into a human being whose job at that time was to write about the outdoors and to write about contentious environmental affairs, wildlife issues, to test equipment, to go on ski trips, horse packing trips, river trips. And so Merle, this half-wild pup, ran into someone who was leading a life almost of an ancient hunter-gatherer. And what could have been better for a dog than to spend most of his life in the outdoors uh, hiking through the wilderness, running rivers, uh, hunting big, tasty animals like elk. And Merle ate elk all his life, ate elk bones. Uh, Dogs are genetically and psychologically still gray wolves. Uh, All the data, scientific data, points to that. And so here was Merle, who had the opportunity to live much the way uh, the first domestic dogs lived, 15, 20,000 years ago, and it certainly made him a happy being, and uh, our adventures together will remain, for me, one of the shining spots in, mm-hmm. in my life. Those are adventures we don't forget, Ted. I mean, I don't think any of us forget them. I was sharing, uh, you know, my, 
my journey with Travis and what that was like. And, you know, certainly the lessons that we learned from, from these incredible companions is, is for me, as you said, it, it, it considers light as a series of doors. And we have our hands on the, the handle as we walk through each door. And we get to really look at what the experience is going to be on the other side of that door. You, as I, have traveled with uh, these wonderful companions from the beginning to the end of their life as we know it here. And so along the way, I'm sure you've not only explored the experiences and the, the nature and life, but you've also looked at ways to um, keep Merle healthy and, you know, try alternative medicine. What was that like for you? Well, I had the good fortune to have a vet here in Jackson Hole, Mary Beth Minter, who's a homeopathic vet and acupuncturist. And in addition to taking Merle to his allopathic Western-trained vets, I had this other vet who was trained in Chinese medicine and acupuncture. And she helped me put Merle on a variety of supplements, like many of which humans take coenzymes. Q10, um, glucosamine sulfate, which when he began to get arthritis as an eight-year-old dog, extended his athletic life in the outdoors and kept him healthy until he was 14 years old. Uh, I think these kind of uh, protocols increasingly are, are being adopted by traditional veterinarians and have enormous power to make dogs healthy, just the way they have enormous power to add to the lifespan of, of human beings and keep us active and healthy uh, much longer than has traditionally. You know, Ted, I, I too have found this, you know, the discovery of, 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 of alternative healing. And, you know, the journey and what you've written about is really an opener for all of us to really look deep in our hearts. And I wanted to ask you, as you reflect back on what you've experienced uh, with Merle, what is it that comes up most often for you? I think the most important lesson that uh, Merle taught me is that, uh, and he showed me this, in that he didn't like to do certain things. He didn't like to bird hunt, so we didn't bird hunt. He didn't like to go fishing. He thought it was absolutely boring, <laughs> <laughs> standing around in a river, you know, casting a fly rod. What, what, what sense is that when you could be out running and smelling and tracking big animals? Uh, he didn't like urban and suburban places. He was really sad there and bored, and he, and he made it very clear when we'd be on book tour and I'd be working on my laptop and talking on the phone and he'd look at me with that penetrating gaze and his eyes would say, have I told you yet how bored I am today? <laughs> and I'd say, you know, there are leash laws here. Just hang on an hour and we'll go walk in the park. And he would not find a walk uh, on pavement as much fun as walking in a park. He would never find the smells um, where there were no dogs as interesting as where there were lots of dogs. And as I wore, watched Merle 
became very clear to me that he was just like a human par partner. And at a certain point, you need to acknowledge, we all do, that your partner knows more about what makes him or her happy than you do. And you step back and you let that partner be. Wow. That's what Merle taught me. Wow. Is the okay. respect for another soul, another consciousness, who is on their journey, which often parallels one's own journey, mm -hmm. but also has sidetracks. And one needs to respect that as much as possible, given that we are advocates for our dogs and need to keep them safe in urban places. But nonetheless, we need to respect their selfhood and truly acknowledge that they know what makes them happy. Well, thank you, Ted. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're uh, thank very you for welcome. A fabulous, fabulous show. Thank you, Pat. Many blessings to you, and thank you, Merle, for sharing your wisdom and knowledge with all of us. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be back with the Dr. Pat Show. We're going to be talking with Kathy Stevens uh, about what she has learned, what all of us have learned from horses. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back.